Welcome to the Contextual Safeguarding podcast series. I'm Delphine Peace from the Contextual Safeguarding team, and I am with Nicola Maxwell, Ben Wyatt, and Sabrina Streeter from the East Sussex Council Specialist Adolescent Services. They're here to talk about a piece of work they did with a peer group at a youth club. The young men in the peer group were all friends, they were at risk of criminal exploitation, and some of them were known to services. Nicola, Ben and Sabrina will tell us about how professionals built safety around this group of young men through meeting with them regularly at a youth club. And they will share their reflections on how this was a new way of working for them, which developed organically around the wishes and needs of this peer group. So hi, Nicola, Ben and Sabrina. Thank you very much for taking part in this podcast. So first of all, could each of you briefly introduce yourselves and tell us a bit about your role? Yeah, hi, my name is Nicola Maxwell. I'm the Strategic Lead for Specialist Adolescent Services in East Sussex County Council. Hi, my name's Ben Wyatt. I'm the Senior Practitioner in the Youth Offending Team and I cover Hastings and Robert area, which is the east of the county. Hello, my name's Sabrina Streeter and I'm a Senior Social Worker within the Young Persons Drug Treatment Team. Wonderful, thank you and again, welcome. So could you tell us about this piece of work um, at the youth club? How did it come about and what did you do? Yeah, I'll start if I may. Um, the work at the youth club came out of a broader piece of contextual work that we undertook in Hastings during the um, COVID lockdown period. Um, during the first national lockdown, like, like a lot of local authority areas, I'd imagine, we saw an increase and change in risk in presentation of our children um, experiencing criminal exploitation. And this was particular to the Hastings area. And in June, in particular, in June of 2020, several of our local children were uh, missing for extended periods and were found out of county in London and other big metropolitan areas in properties associated with criminal activity and intelligence led us to uh, develop information around their association with um, gangs and serious youth violence outside of the area. And our Sussex police colleagues identified um, seven children from Hastings and one child from Buckinghamshire, who became the focus of a police operation locally referred to as Operation Wagon. And what became really clear really quickly is despite all of these children having open interventions with children's services, there was a really big gap about how the group interacted together. Um, and this was partly due to a lack of engagement with professionals from all of these children. And so due, due to this gap of information and um, the hypothesis that the children were linked as a peer group, the youth offending team in East Sussex agreed to undertake a peer group assessment um, of, of, of the original eight children. This assessment and report was completed in November 2020 and there were a number of key recommendations from it, um, um, including, you know, that uh, children were more willing to engage at critical moments following significant events. Um, for example, at the point where this group we're going to talk about today came together, one of the children had just been stabbed and another of the children had witnessed that stabbing. And the need for relationship based approaches came to the forefront, really, in terms of how we engaged with this group of children. 
Um, but one of the key themes and the thing, the theme that really led us to this um, group work approach was that the children were all really reluctant to engage with professionals. Of the eight children who we did the peer group assessment, only one child really had a trusted adult. And despite the best efforts of some really tenacious, skilled and committed professionals, none of the children were really willing to share their information about their experiences in any way. One child that did talk to us, however, said that they were, whilst they didn't want to work one to one with professionals, they would be willing to engage in worker-led work activities alongside their peers. And I suppose we were really keen to explore that further as like a lot of agencies, I suppose, in, in working in this sphere, we've tended to see friendships within this cohort solely in terms of risk failing to recognise, obviously, the paradoxical strengths of some of these friendships. And many of our interventions have focused on disrupting um, friendships uh, rather than uh, bringing the children together within these groups. So this was a really new way of working for us and something that we were keen to explore. Um, and I think Ben can probably give a bit more information about how we actually brought the group together. Yeah, I think um... What what we started to do prior prior to the lockdown um, as a youth offending team, we were engaging children in a youth centre on a one to one basis and that continued during the lockdown, obviously with risk assessment approved COVID safety and everything. So we were in the building working there. One of the peer group were, I think he was on an out of court programme, a youth caution programme, and he was engaging well with his worker. And we floated the idea about possibly opening the centre and outside of the centre was where the group would all hang out. So there, there was a group of about eight individuals normally hanging around outside the youth centre. And what we started to do was to engage them just, just outside the centre, talking to them. So we spent four or five weeks just building a relationship. So one of our staff team knew a couple of them. Um, and I think they all knew our face from sort of being in and out of the office, the main office. So we started to talk to them outside. And just built built that relationship, having a bit of banter, having a laugh, um, you know, laughing at my van, for example, taking the mick a bit. It was it was good fun. And basically, what we ended up talking to them about, what what they were saying was they were bored really, and they they wanted something to do. So I think that was exacerbated in lockdown as well. And because of the incident of the stabbing, I think the group didn't particularly feel comfortable leaving their local area. So. The youth centre was placed, it's in a social housing estate, um, but there was a real strong sense of community from within that housing estate. And they they, they have real connection to that youth centre because it's been there and they've lived there virtually all their lives. And it's something they have fond memories of when they attended, you know, when, when they were a lot younger. So after that four or five weeks of engagement, and we, we, we felt we knew them enough and we carried out risk assessments. We thought we could get them to come into the building and just hang out. We, we talked to them about, you know, your standard programmes that you'd offer graffiti, music, and that none of that sort of informal education stuff, those um, youth work programmes really interested them. They just wanted somewhere where they could hang out as a group, really. So one week we decided to open it up. So it, it was a bit of a change for them because I think historically they'd all been banned from the youth centre sort of in the years before. They're all aged sort of between 16 and 17 and some, you know, very close to 18. So it's somewhere they used to attend in their early teens, but because their behaviour was quite difficult for the youth centre, 
um, they, they were excluded from going in there and they, they never really went back to it. So when, when we first opened the door, it was quite a nice experience for them coming back in and recognising the place and, and talking it over. Yeah, so that's that's how we came about. I think it, it's really um, pertinent to point out, Delphine, that uh, of the group of children that Ben's talking about that we started to engage outside of the youth centre, uh, three or four, well, four of those children were part of that Operation Wagon group that I talked about. So we're actively experiencing exploitation and were considered to be at significant risk. So they were all children that were discussed on our MACE panel. There was regular police intelligence and community intelligence linking them um, to drug dealing in the local area and potentially the exploitation of younger children in the local area. And as I'd already said, one of those children had been stabbed and one had been present during that stabbing so um of, of that group that that were congregating outside the center three or four of those children were uh the very vulnerable children that i described at the beginning uh who were subject to our sort of peer group assessment the other children were just children in their peer group and friends that they associated with and our initial focus for these children as ben said they were all very um uh, uh, sceptical about professionals, distrusting of professionals. So our initial focus was really on just, just developing a relationship with the group and building their trust and overcoming that sort of suspicious nature of, of, of professionals, which they all had. Um, and it was about really allowing the group just to kind of set their own agenda and to raise issues that were important to them and, and I, I mean Ben can talk a bit more about this but within the group it, it was really clear that as soon as any of the children felt that you were trying to kind of educate them or or you had an agenda in terms of um, your discussion with them or that you were trying to direct that discussion in any way they immediately became really really suspicious so it was about really slowly building a relationship and building the trust with the children that enabled them the, those conversations to take place in a much more natural way. So it absolutely wasn't a structured group work program with kind of clearly defined sessions and agendas for those sessions. Um, it was more about kind of playing pool, table tennis, football, um, cooking with the children, bringing in food. They really um, enjoyed games of Uno with the staff and got quite competitive around that. So. Um, I don't know if Ben can talk a bit more about how over time we were able to shift that slightly, but certainly in those very early days, we were very much guided by the children and what they wanted to do and what they wanted to talk about and engage with. Yeah, they, they were very suspicious. Um, I think partly because of some of their experiences of being assessed by numerous agencies um, and a lot of the one-to-one -one work with some of the more vulnerable ones, so the ones on the MACE, it sort of fell flat really and you know you put the stories of professionals talking to them through their bedroom door because they didn't want to engage all this sort of stuff so actually meeting them outside giving them the chance to get to know us i mean they're so suspicious that anything they tell us they think we've got a hotline straight to the police and we would be grassing them up and whatever you know and it, it, it took a while to build that trust up and i, I don't you know I, I think we've done that very well and they talk I wouldn't say they talk openly about what goes on, but they are a lot more trusting um, than they were previous to the to group work. So when we when we eventually got them in, um, yeah, like Nicola said, it was very much pizza, chat, playing ball, relaxing, just getting them used to the space and getting them used to us. We used to 
Oh, crikey, we had so much bantery conversations talking about what they're watching on Netflix. And you could you could drip in some of the stuff about talking to them about their cannabis use, talking to them about how vulnerable they feel when they're outside as well, even though they wouldn't, you know, for teenagers, it's very hard for them to acknowledge their vulnerability. But so we, we couched that in the terms of safety um, and how safe they feel in their local area, which they did. I think it's when they leave that local area where they began to uh, become nervous. So when, when we'd had a few weeks, some of them were into playing football. We talked about setting up a staff versus, you know, young person group football, but we'd have to play in the local youth centre down the town. And that was it. They were like, no, we're not leaving Hollington. We don't we don't go down there. Um, you know, could, because it's, for some of them, especially post this stabbing that happened, they, they just don't feel safe outside of their local area. So from that point on, we realised if we were going to take them anywhere, it had to be, you know, far from the local area. So not going into the town centre, it'd be a minibus or a taxi ride out of area completely, um, just because of the way they feel and other groups within the town would feel towards them. So yeah, it was it was very much no structured programme whatsoever. So I don't know, it was they would come in, we would make some pizza, we would sit around chatting. And I think inevitably things go on to talk about, you know, what what you're doing with your life, where you're going, you know, what when lockdown finishes, what 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 you're gonna do. And it, it was good to have a mixture of some of the more vulnerable and then their friends, because some of their friends were still in college, some of their friends were working. So for those that are not in education and training, it was good to treat them as a group. And they were, and they sort of learned off each other in a way. So the ones that were working were going, yeah, come on, you know, find the work and stuff. And eventually we, we got someone from the Youth Employability Service in, Nicola, who um, would sit down with some of them within the group. They didn't split off into one to one. She'd get a laptop out and she'd do some CVs, make some applications for some of them. Um, and it, it did become a sort of, it was a supportive environment. So the ones that were working did help and support the ones that they knew would struggle with some of it. So we we managed to get some of them jobs. There's a local factory packing COVID test kits um, and some of them went to work there. Um, and oh, I think on their first payday, one of them came in with his payslip the following week and was waving it around and talking about how much money it made. And it had a really positive impact on the group as well. I mean, some of them didn't stick with it, but from going from you know talking to a professional through the door to them having weekend work in a factory it was it was amazing really and i don't think any of us would have predicted that um just based on previous experiences of trying to engage them i mean we nicola mentioned uno amazing who did who thought it hey eh? uno uh, engaging a group of 17 18 year old lads very competitive mm -hmm. <laughs> they really enjoyed playing it so i'd recommend everyone get some uno um we looked at, we looked, I think some of the group felt quite stymie as well and sort of restricted because there's an expectation when they don't achieve in school and a lot of these hadn't achieved anything in school and they drifted and went, didn't attend for the last year or two and that, that they inevitably will go into construction work as such and we spent some time talking to them it doesn't have to be that way at all and if they have other interests that they can be pursued um, which was good we had a local artist come in and speak to them and try and engage them, which which work quite well as well. So it's, it is trying to break down some of those sort of structural barriers that some of these kids face, ADHD, you know, some of the racism issues some of them have suffered. Um, and it was it was a positive piece of work in that they, they did see different options for them. So on, on that front, we were really happy that 
that they were saying to us as well, and I don't know, some of the feedback might show it, that we, we did broaden their horizons a bit, I think, and they're, they're ready, ready to have that experience of looking outside. I think, you know, when it comes to challenges, because um, we all love to find a challenge, don't we? I'd say cannabis was probably the biggest challenge. So, yeah, the youth centre operates a zero tolerance policy. If someone comes in and they're, they're stoned or they smell, you know, the, the, the policy is to exclude them. Now, so with this group, we had a chat with the youth centre manager and we did we did change that policy because inevitably, you know, unfortunately, they did turn up stoned, they did turn up smelling strongly of cannabis. And it gave us a chance to challenge them, but in a really informal, friendly way. Um, it was very much along the lines of you really smell today. <laughs> you know, you're coming into the centre. You can't, you, you know, we'd rather you didn't. But it it did give us a chance to joke with them. We talked about them being functional cannabis users, which I think was quite useful. So a lot of them were smoking every day. So first thing they did. And I think over time, we we noticed they the ones that did smell of cannabis from the week before the prevent you know the weeks before then they were coming in not smelling of it and they were coming in not stained and we could comment you know you are noticeably different you engage really differently when you're not stained you're more alert you can hold more conversations uh, you seem a lot more confident and it's a, it's that drip 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 effect I guess which I think was quite successful and I don't get me wrong I'm sure they all still smoke I'm not claiming that. Um, but once some of them got into the routine of working as well, they were saying they were reducing. Um, I know one of the lads says he's he's knocked it on the head. They're stopping. So it had it has had an impact. I mean, some of the groups still do, but it was it was good for us to be able to challenge them in a safe way. Well, I guess their previous experiences would have been you smell of cannabis. You're under the influence. You can't come in. You need to go. I think there was only one instant where one of them sparked up a joint outside the youth centre and we just moved them on and said, you can't do that around here. It's not OK. Um, you know, you can't smoke in front of us as well. Use your brain. I think it was even some people within the peer group were saying, yeah, come on, you know, move on. What are you doing? <laughs> That's not on, really. So we managed to establish a kind of respect as well around the centre um, and how they engaged with us. I mean, I suppose, Ben, if we think about the, the kind of how the group evolved and what we felt we achieved. I know you talked about um, education, training, employment, and that was a, a, a you know a really big positive that came out of this group in terms of um, some children obtaining employment, some registering in college, and even to get some of these children to talk about uh, their future aspirations and what they might like to do was a, a really really big positive for the group. Um, and we did have a, a trip out. We took them quad biking, which they loved, and I think from my point of view to see some of the photos from that and just to see them behaving like children and having fun was really really rewarding and we also had a, a Christmas dinner which which they all enjoyed with kind of the usual kind of crackers and presents and and, and things like that which which all of the children seemed to really enjoy but I suppose for me the the biggest thing that came out of the group is that you know, despite the best efforts, as I say, some really tenacious workers, this group of children had persistently failed to engage um, and bringing them together in this group enabled them to build some really positive, trusting and enduring relationships with staff, which I think is a, a massive outcome, really. Um, and for me, also, it created a, really, a safe space for them just to come to be together as a group of children and to not have to think about some of the stuff that was going on in their lives just for a couple of hours. And for me, that's probably one of the kind of biggest outcomes, really. 
it also enabled us as a group of professionals, I think, to develop our understanding of, of this group and their experiences in a way that some of the more formal assessment process, processes hadn't, because um, these children hadn't historically engaged with any of those processes. And by bringing them together as a group, building a relationship and building that trust, I think workers got a really important insight into these children's lives and their experiences, which helped in turn inform assessments um, going forward, really. Most of the children engaged with the yes worker, which was was really, really positive. And I think at the time the group started, I think I said four of the children were on our MACE panel and there was really significant intelligence around drug dealing and criminality. And over time, I think what we've seen is these risks significantly reduce for these children, um, which I think has, has been a real, real positive of, of the group, really. Wonderful. Well, thank you. It's so, so fascinating to hear about how you gradually built relationships with this group, um, how you worked with them in this more organic, less structured way, as you said. And it sounds like you really let yourself be led by what the group wanted to do and how they wanted to use that space um, at the youth club as a group. And eventually how you described this space uh, became a supportive environment. And as you said, you were able over time to offer these young people some new options and experiences. So it's really fantastic to hear about this. And, and it just sounds like you all had such a good time. So really great. Thank you. And I think, I think that's true. Sorry, Delphi. I think mm, we did. We, as, a, as a staff group, we used to, when it finished, we all just sort of looked at each other and thought that was a really good time. We were having the right. <laughs> it was really good laugh. And we, we, it was just a different way for us as a staff group to engage the children in a group. So I would say quite often I'll speak to colleagues and we know, you know, in a youth offending team, we'll work with children, we'll do one-to-one -one work with them. We we know they, some of them will say what we want to hear, but I do think, you know, when they're in that moment in the one-to-one -one session, they honestly believe what they're saying, but actually seeing them within their peer group, it, it was a much more enriching experience for us as yacht workers to see them work as a group and how they formed and what they did how they looked after each other um, and actually i would say for us going to professionals meetings about their risks and stuff it, it, it gave us more information about them than just doing a one-to-one -one, whatever mm. given us without a shadow of a doubt yeah absolutely and so you, yeah you've begun to answer my next question which was going to be about how was this quite a new way of working for you and also how did contextual safeguarding influence this new way of working? Okay, well, I mean, I'll, I'll start, I suppose, if you, if, when we talked at the beginning, we talked about how, you know, we'd had this police operation in Hastings and this significant increase in risk profile for our exploited children. And I think what really came across uh, from that initial work and from the, certainly from the peer group assessment that, that we, we tried to undertake is that traditional safeguarding approaches through referrals to children's services and, and other agencies hadn't really worked for these children and they were still very, very vulnerable in their communities. And what, what we recognised early on is that we needed to respond differently. And I suppose contextual safeguarding gave us that framework within which to try and kind of better understand and respond to the strengths as well as the risks of these groups. And as I said earlier, I think traditionally what, what we've done in um, East Sussex and uh, is is to speak, think about friendships in terms of risk rather than in terms of need and safety and strength. 
and most of our interventions have focused on kind of disrupting friendship groups and um, providing opportunities for children to engage alongside their peers in this kind of space around exploitation is, is, is it was a really new way of working for us um, and it was a new way of working for our partners and colleagues as well particularly thinking about sort of police colleagues who I think it's fair to say in, initially certainly some police colleagues had um, some scepticism about the merits of, of, of bringing these children together in uh, this youth centre space um, and I think we we have really strong and really positive relationships with our police colleagues in East Sussex and I think they were able to see the benefit of what we were trying to do and um and, and certainly can do can see that now but I think it was fair to say that there's was a, a degree of skepticism and I don't think group work in this context around these these uh, uh, children who are experiencing exploitation is certainly something that we've never done previously and um, I think Ben alluded to it, it's really resource intensive and requires really skilled professionals, I think, because what you're trying to do or what you need to do with this group is to um, uh, is to be able to hold risk and dynamically assess risk, because if you did a, a sort of traditional risk assessment about bringing these eight to ten children together and looked at it in a sort of traditional way, you probably wouldn't do it. But what we were able to do through the professionals who were running the group is is to kind of dynamically assess that risk constantly as the group evolved and developed. Um, and we were really fortunate that we received some funding through the Youth Justice Board Pathfinder programme for our work in Hastings. Um, and that enabled us to deliver something like this, which is, I say, was very resource intensive. And I suppose um, the challenge will be how you do that going forward when 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 you don't have that sort of additional funding. And sorry, there's in terms of how it was different for us, I don't, I don't know if anyone else wants to talk about this, but some of these children weren't known to the youth offending teen and weren't open to level four services. So what we, by inviting them in as a peer group, we were able to mix children and, it, and, and Ben's talked a bit about the positive impact that that had, particularly in relation to the kind of education training and employment. But um, like a lot of areas, I suppose, traditionally we work in a very sort of um uh siloed uh structured um uh criteria led way so what we were doing was engaging children who we wouldn't normally engage with because they wouldn't meet the criteria for the youth offending team or the substance misuse services or whatever it was but we were bringing those children together as part of a peer group and that that worked really really well don't you think ben in terms of just kind of mixing up those groups of children essential is essential for it to be successful um i think yeah it was really positive bringing them together it was good to see how they were with their friends who weren't really involved in that world of exploitation they weren't they weren't victim to it i know they were at risk of but they they, they had separated they were in college they were doing stuff and it was really positive seeing some of the young people on our caseloads you know working or talking to their peers as they just in a, in, a, in a friendship group it was it was powerful stuff i'd say yeah it was it was good to see because I think sometimes you kind of I don't know you lose the child sometimes in the intervention that doesn't mean I'm not child focused but you do assess everything through that prism of risk and stuff and it was good to see them yeah just just be teenagers really and hanging out and doing stuff for me um I think the contextual safeguarding network approach it's sort of doing the peer group assessment was really helpful it really made me 
it made me think about where these children are hanging out. So outside of the family home, whereas previous assessments would have focused on that, it, it did throw up um, consideration about those areas. So as part of that peer group assessment, there was an area near the youth centre where we knew they were all hanging out. There was lots of information about drug dealing going on in the area, antisocial behaviour, and it gave the sort of um, multi-agency approach, you know, they put in extra lighting, there was extra stuff done there. But for us, it was talking to the children about how important those areas were for them um, and, and trying to explain to them the impact that some of some of what was going on was having on the local community. And it, it was, again, it, it, it seemed to work because they'd lived there all their lives. Um, the connection they had to that local area is really strong and they, they have a lot of um, they, they love their area, they, they love where they live and they, they love the fact that they see all their friends all the time. So it was good to be able to get some of that impact, community impact over to them. And I think, you know, the contextual safeguarding network approach of thinking about where they're coming to harm, because it wasn't far from where the young person was stabbed as well. It, it, it gave us a chance to work with them in those areas, I guess. And the youth centre being in that area was a key to it being successful because we didn't have to bust them anywhere else in the town. It was something they knew, something they were comfortable with, um, and it was in their local community. So that was that was quite helpful from my perspective. I think I think as well, I think you'll agree, Ben, we, although we were able to utilise contextual safeguarding as a framework and a lot of the resources that are available on the network, um, it was really important for us to be able to adapt them to the local context of being an exploited child in Hastings. So I, um, I, when we did the original peer group assessment, what we initially found very quickly is the hypothesis that all eight children were a peer group was in fact incorrect. And there were actually two peer groups within the group. Um, so we, it was important that we were able to adapt our approach and to adapt the tools and techniques that we were using to fit our local uh, picture. Um, and what came about is there was this one group of children who were from the Hollington area and they were really, really close peer group. And they were the children who went on to engage in the um, youth work programme. So I think it, it contextual is important. Uh, contextual safeguarding gave us the kind of platform and the and the and the, um, you know, the, the structure within which to do this work. But it was important that we were able to adapt that and fit that to our local context. And finally, I just want to say, I think part of the success of the group as well is that we it shows that the professionals who were running it really, really valued the children's experiences and valued their expertise in terms of uh, their their lived experiences and their knowledge of, of risk um, and strength within their group as well. And that we could adapt the model to meet the needs of this group of children, I think is 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 a real strength of of the approach really in terms of the some of the success with, that we've had with these children in terms of uh, developing our knowledge and expertise around their experiences and as Ben said being able to go to multi-agency meetings and talk about these children in in, in much more real terms with a much more in-depth understanding of their experiences and and um, contribute to risk discussions in that way has been has been really really beneficial. Um, and is, is, is not an unintended consequence of the group, but it's something that's certainly come out of the group in terms of thinking about how um, approaches like this can be used to inform assessments for, for children who are experiencing exploitation.
Brilliant. Well, thank you for these really, really helpful reflections on both the challenges, but also the, the values of this new approach of working in this way. And like you said, how you have adapted it specifically to your own context and to this specific peer group. And I believe that you've also asked the group for some feedback on how they experienced um, being at the youth club and, and getting to know you and spending this time with you. Could you share with us some of that feedback? So I was able to attend the group as a visitor um, and the purpose of that was to gain feedback from the group about what session was like for them. So the young people knew that I would be attending um, and I was able to go along and this was very much based on the relationships I feel that the group had with the workers that were facilitating the sessions. So I went along to session um, and I was able to be part of what was going on there and then um, I asked them for some feedback. So I used a focus group model um, and that was to invite all group members to share their feedback around um, what it was like for them, why they wanted to attend and what the positives and negatives were. Um, group members were more than happy to kind of give feedback informally. Um, but what I think is important to know is that actually bringing out the paper and bringing out the audio recorder kind of changed the dynamics slightly. Um, and there was one group member who kind of put himself forward to be the voice of the group. Whilst other group members were present and were able to chip in, they didn't want the audio recorder close to them. So I explained why I um, wanted to get their views and they were all able to give consent to that and to the audio recordings being transcribed. So we got some really helpful feedback from the focus group. I then met with one of the group members individually in the community um, and asked them a few more questions and also interviewed one of the professionals who had been a group facilitator throughout the sessions and they both gave consent for their audios to be used. Um, written feedback was also given by professionals who were able to attend session and were able to do some of their work. Um, so what I've done is kind of collated some of the feedback into key themes. So the first theme that I think is really important to think about is inclusion. So the young people really spoke about how they felt they were included at session. And there were comparisons drawn to feeling excluded in other areas of their lives. So they weren't able to attend the youth club building, but they were able to attend session. When they were in the community, they were often approached by the police and they had generally bad experiences of school and the education system. Young people spoke about having choice. So they were able to choose about attending session and then what they did at session. They were able to listen to their own choice of music and they were able to eat food that they liked. And from speaking to the young people, you really got a sense of them owning the group. So some feedback that I got from a professional um, that I'd like to share is the activity of playing Uno had us all sit around the table. There was no hierarchy. We were there together and we were part of the group. So not only the young people felt that they were um, included at session, it was the professionals as well. There was a real sense of inclusion. Some feedback from the focus group was that everybody likes coming here. 
We are not looked at as little scumbags or scary people who stand out the shop wanting to rob everyone. We were treated like human beings. The school system has treated us really badly, but here we get treated like we are teenagers. We are not naughty people just because we might have a different vocabulary. Some more feedback from a professional. The young people's experience has been exclusion from school and from activities due to their behaviour. We had to be different. We live in an intolerant society and we have difficulties in their lives, sometimes due to early life experiences and trauma. They get excluded because they don't fit in, but they were able to fit in at session. A counsellor, Maya Evans, is one of the professionals who provided some um, written feedback and they were able to attend quite a few of the sessions. And she said the sessions are an informal and relaxed environment where local young people are always made to feel welcome, cared about and valued. For some of the young people who attend, the sessions are one of the only few fixed and reliable fixtures in an otherwise unpredictable and often turbulent backdrop. The sessions are sometimes the difference between a young person feeling completely hopeless and unsupported in life and knowing there's at least one lifeline available to them. A few hours a week might seem in, sorry, inconsequential, but for some of the young people, it's enough to keep them on track and open up life opportunities. These sessions should be available to every young person who needs them. It's beneficial to those individuals and it's beneficial to the community. Another theme that came out of the feedback was that session gave these young people a break from their lives and it allowed them to play. So fun, food and banter were cited as reasons for attending, alongside getting help through talking about things and getting advice. Workers were able to contain the anxieties to make session a safe place. So one of the really powerful quotes that came out of the focus group was a young person that said, we all need somewhere to go where we can relax for a bit. It's a bit of mind space. You can go and play football for a little while and know it's OK. A positive thing about session is that it helps you get things off your chest and you have someone who understands you and knows where you're coming from and not labelling you. Things go wrong when you get labelled. Everyone should get a second chance. And that's what Sessions done for me. It's given me a second chance. If I had something go wrong at home, I know I would have somewhere to go and they would help me. Some feedback from one of the professionals that led the group. You have to be the right personality. You have to be tolerant. Some of the behaviours professionals would not tolerate. You had to weigh things up. We thought maybe some of the young people had smoked cannabis. We did not feel at risk and had to weigh up whether to let them in and not to exclude them. Some more feedback from a professional. Young people saw me in a different light, in a more casual way, not just my yacht hat. Playing pool and uno, it was fun and that's what we all looked forward to. We had this group of very disengaged young people all sitting around the table playing Uno and we had great banter, something I looked forward to and I'm sad it's finished. I would be a keen advocate for this to carry on. Another theme that came out of the feedback 
was that session provided these children with a positive experience of a professional. And from that, we were able to build on other professionals. So it provided opportunities for other professionals to engage these young people. So professional feedback is that um, they felt part of the group and that by playing pool, uno and football, they were able to come alongside the young people and that the young people responded to this. So as part of the group, there were professionals from the youth offending team, the young person's drug treatment team, the youth employability service and social workers have also used session to meet with young people. The youth employability service shared some feedback that of the 10 young people that they were able to see in session, four of them now have education and another six are in employment. And the feedback is that some of them were already on caseload, they already had workers, but that they were not engaging. So what young people said was that workers at session are genuine people and they want to help you. They don't have to do the things they do. It's not their job, but they do it because they want you. They want to see you thrive in life. So a young person said we need session to help us with our day to day life. All the time we have jobs, we're off the street. Sessions was one of the most beneficial things that happened to our group. And some feedback from a professional as workers, we threw our hearts and souls into the group. You need to be motivated and you need to be part of the group. Thank you so much, Sabrina. Such useful feedback from both the young people and professionals. A lot of really important themes were raised and it's, it's so valuable to have this feedback and to hear what the group had to say about these sessions. And it seems quite clear listening to it that they really felt valued and supported in that space that you created together at the youth club. And so before we close this podcast, you've you've all said so much about your reflections on about this, this intervention, but do you have any sort of final thoughts or some key considerations that you would like to share with other professionals and those listening to us who might be interested in trying something similar where they work? Yeah, I mean, I think I think for me, I think it's key to point out is this this isn't kind of necessarily a new way of working, but it's a way of applying something that um, might be considered, I don't know, kind of old fashioned to a new problem or a more recent problem. I hope that makes sense. Um, this wasn't a structured group work program. We didn't deliver predetermined sessions, but what we did is allowed the group to evolve and we followed the direction of the children in terms of what they wanted to do. Our only agenda really was, I suppose, to build relationships with them and gain trust and, 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 and really in doing that to try and engage with them in a way that traditional approaches hadn't been successful doing. Um, and this necessarily requires a degree of flexibility and you have to uh, respond to the needs of the particular children in the group and what they bring to the group. Um, and I think one of the most rewarding things was to see the children helping each other to develop their CVs. I think on, on one occasion, uh, group members were helping one of the children fill in their timesheet for their um, employment and, and to see the group supporting each other in that way, I think is really, really powerful. Um, and I think another factor in the success of the group was the skill step for the staff. We, we didn't risk assess this group in the same way that we would traditionally uh, risk assess 
core staff were able and required to undertake dynamic risk assessments in the moment and on the day and respond to evolving situations as they might arise. I think, Ben, it's fair to say we only had one situation um, whereby we skill staff were required to respond to a kind of evolving and potentially difficult situation, but were able to diffuse that and deal with that. But um, I think it's really important that if you're going to run a group like this with this um, with with groups of children with the risks associated with these groups of children, it's important that you have the right staff members doing it. And we were able to use a mix of very skilled professionals and we were able to keep that consistent as well. I think that's really, really important. The same professionals were involved in the group all the way through. And that enabled actually the, the way that they ran the group and built the relationship with the children enabled other people to dip in and utilise the group um, and support the group through um, whether that's employment advice and uh, drug drug substance, drug services advice. And we even, as uh, Sabrina alluded to, we even had a local councillor who was able to come to the group and uh, well, she initially came to talk to the children, but then very much ended up being part of the group. She really liked attending. So I think that's um, really important. And from being very suspicious and sceptical about staff in, in initially, I think it's important to point out that a lot of the group members are now in regular contact with some of the staff and often seek them out for informal support and advice. Um, and I know that um, for example, one of the staff members has recently supported one of the group to access housing um, as well as kind of bereavement counselling and support around that. And this type of work, I suppose, is really, really resource intensive. And we've been lucky enough to have funding through um, a Youth Justice Board grant. I think it's very challenging for, for areas to think about how you could do this if with, within existing funding streams. But I think what what the feedback highlights for me very positively is for the children involved it was a is or was a really invaluable experience and one which they really valued and enjoyed and really bought into this group and owned it as their own um which is which is which is what we'd hoped for when we set it up but um i think the the feedback kind of says it all really in terms of the outcomes for this group of children i don't know if ben wanted to add any other reflections as 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 <coughs> Yeah, yeah, I think for me, if I was to offer advice or think about um, considerations for other areas we want to take it forward, I think we were lucky in a way that it was a group where there was a youth centre in the community. You know, the venue was absolutely key. So I know in East Sussex, we're already considering about how we take it forward um, with young people in other areas that don't have that youth centre so finding that community venue where they live i would say is really 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 important um, and i think the key challenge is seeing peer groups yet yeah, there's risks but also trying to identify the strengths and how to build and nurture those strengths within that peer group because there will be some somewhere um, and that sort of has a counteracting effect on some of the risks in many ways so I think that that would be my two key things to consider for other areas going forward. Brilliant. Well, Nicola, Ben and Sabrina, thank you so much again for sharing your experiences with us. I'm sure everyone listening would have found it extremely interesting and inspiring. So thank you very much. And this podcast is part of a spotlight feature on the Contextual Safeguarding Network, on which you can find a link to a webinar which talks more about this specific project 
And you can also find a link to an animated video which shares some more of the feedback from the young people in a group. Thank you very much for listening.